0: Hi, good to kind of see, there we go, okay, now I can see you, but that's probably a weird way to stand on stage. Welcome, you guys. Come on in. For those of you who haven't grabbed a seat yet, go ahead, grab a seat. If you want to stand up with me, I want to welcome you all. If this happens to be your first time here, thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. This is actually our last Sunday service of the semester. Woo! We are so glad to be together. Uh, I really wanted to tell you a couple things about this Sunday. We're going to do things a little bit differently this Sunday. So we are celebrating Advent today. This is actually the second week of the Advent season, which lasts for, it goes for four weeks before Christmas, and Advent is a time where we pause and we remember what we are looking forward to, that we are looking forward to not only the birth of Christ and celebrating that, but also to his second coming. We are celebrating both the bringing of light into this world through jesus christ and then when he comes back again and so we want to pause here amidst the craziness both of finals i'm feeling your pain people i've got one class and way too many much work to do before it ends and the end of the semester and stuff and so we want to pause during this time and just enjoy and look forward To the different things coming up. Um, So what I want you to do is go ahead and turn to somebody around you and I want you to tell them and talk about what is something during this break, during this Christmas season that you are looking forward to.
1: the Christmas
2: memo day, and i see her over there i like the final weather she yeah. has
1: we're kyle
2: yeah i like that all right i'll give it a couple more seconds i think this mic is on too so. I was there like seven Dun 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 da 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 da. Sorry, you can continue. <laughs> Good morning, guys. My name is Andrew, and this is Emily. And today, we just got some announcements for you guys. Um, as always, related to our first announcement is the Sunday Connect. Um, this is just a great place for us to get to know who you are and help you get connected to our church. Um, There's going to be a QR code on the screen right now, and I encourage all of you guys to fill this out, whether you've been here before or it's your first time here. Um, For every survey filled out, Cornerstone will be donating $1 to the Bloomington Boys and Girls Club. Uh, If you guys heard from the winter celebration last night, uh, we just did a great job in supporting it. We can just continue doing that today and then for next semester. So I encourage you guys all to fill out the Sunday Connect form.
1: Yeah, our next announcement for today is about corners. As you guys are filling out that Sunday Connect form, there should be a checkbox. If you are interested in joining a corner for the first time, we'd love to know that. Um, This week we are wrapping up corners for the semester. We're going to be together celebrating Christmas, doing fun things as you guys embark on your finals week journey. Um, We want corners to be a place of just respite for you this week um, to have a little joy in this Christmas season. So. We have corners on Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 in Homes, just a little bit off campus. We'd love for you to come this week and celebrate Christmas with us.
2: Yeah. Um, I just have a quick question for you guys. Who here has been to LT? Woo! Yeah, okay. Yeah, me too. It's been a great time. I went through this last summer, but I'm just curious. What are you doing this summer? Um, If you don't know, come to our leadership training interest meeting 15 minutes after service today to hear about an opportunity to spend your summer at LT um, in the Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, Here, it's just a great opportunity to grow in your faith alongside college students from across the U.S. Um, Even if you are just 1% interested, come learn about what this could be like for you and ask any questions you have. And maybe um, God could want to use your summer for something different this year than you expect. Um, We will meet in the lobby downstairs, downstairs by where the coffee is.
1: Yeah, our last announcement for the day is about the Bible in a Year plan. You know, as we are entering Christmas season, what comes after Christmas is New Year's and maybe some New Year's resolutions for some of you. Um, You know, I really believe that New Year's resolutions can happen at any time. You can read your Bible at any time. But in the start of this new year, our church is embarking on the journey to read the Bible in the year. Um, So those of you who are interested, we'd love to Free to join us, and uh, we just really think that getting into Scripture, it's it is our life source. Um, Sarah shared this morning this verse about how God's Word will never fail. I think that might have been the words. I might be botching it also, but it was just really beautiful to to just hear that reminder that man, God's Word is one, alive and active, and it will never fail. Another verse. In Isaiah, it just talks about the word of God. It will always return something to us. It's not going to return void. And we just really believe any time that you spend in scripture is time well spent. So if you're interested in being a part of a group that is going through the Bible in the course of a year, uh, touch base with Sarah Voss after service. She's going to have a sign-up sheet and just some more information for you on what that is going to look like and how to, to do that well, how to remain encouraged in that journey as we yeah, start the new year. Um, Okay, as Lisa mentioned, today's service is going to be a little bit different. So we have the worship band out here, we're getting started. Um, I want to say first, after this song that we sing, if you're volunteering with Kids Church, you are free to go do your Kids Church stuff. Love on those babies after this first song. Um, But first I want to share just a little bit, um, just kind of frame in what, what we're doing today. Why are we doing a little bit different of a service, what it's going to look like for us? And so um, the worship band is going to lead us through one song, and then we're going to have somebody come out and speak, and then they're going to lead us through another song, and somebody else is going to come out and speak, and so on and so forth, through four words is what we're going to journey through today. As Lisa mentioned, the Advent season is the four Sundays before Christmas, and a lot of churches kind of walk through the tradition of Advent, and each of those Sundays represent a different theme, and so as these four speakers come out, they're going to take us through these four different themes. Hope, peace, joy, and love. How do we think through those words in the midst of Advent? How do we think through those words in the midst of coming to the end of the year where you may just feel done, (laughs) where you may just feel like, I don't know how to be encouraged. I don't know how to look for the light or be joyful about Jesus coming, like that just feels disconnected for me, and so our hope and prayer is that as we walk through these words, you would feel encouraged and just connected to them in a way that may feel different than what you usually think about as Christmas. I'm going to share this quote that I heard, or read, rather, earlier this week, and as I read it, I was, one, brought to tears, um, two, just so thankful for the Lord's kindness in bringing me to this quote. I'm going to read it for you. It says, Christmas is not here to offer a four-week escape from the pain of the world with a paper thin layer of twinkle lights. It is not here to numb us with bows and eggnog lattes. Christmas is not offering us the chance to escape the ache of life through piles of presents. Christmas is God saying, yes, this pain this pain is too much. Yes, it is too sad. Yes, the ache is too great. Hang on. Hang on. I will come to carry it with you. Um, So as you guys think about that, as you think about wherever your hearts are at coming into this Christmas Advent season, would you stand and join us in this first worship song?
3: Seat as we prepare for our first speaker.
4: Now that I have all of your attention.
5: Good morning, my name is Kate. Sometimes I break dance with chords. Usually I'm a teacher in the community who is so thankful to be a part of Cornerstone's church family. Uh, And I get the privilege of talking about uh, the first Advent word this morning, which is hope. Jesus coming, we say, brings hope to the world. But what does that mean? I use the word hope a lot Maybe you do too. I say things like, I hope my fantasy football team wins this week. (laughs) I hope I pass this test. I hope I get some sleep. Or maybe I hope family Christmas is different this year. I hope this time things change. The way we use hope is often kind of a synonym for, for optimism or just wishing. We make calculations based on the information in front of us or how we feel, and we say we hope for something. And if hope is optimism, then some things can feel pretty hard to hope for. Maybe you hoped at this point that it would be easier to fly, or or maybe that you could go into a building without wearing a mask. Maybe you hoped for that. Or maybe at the end of the year, You hoped that something in your life or your community would get better, and the world just feels like it's getting harder. Sometimes it's hard to hope. But I want to tell you about Advent hope, which is thankfully different from how I talk about my fantasy football team. If we look back to the virtue of hope in the Old Testament, it's not optimism based on signs around us, it's an expectant waiting based on God's character and promises. Hope doesn't look at the present, it looks back to what God has said and done and knows that He will keep His word in the future. And so hope hangs on even when there's no evidence in the moment that things will turn out right. That kind of hope, based on God's character, allowed his people to wait for him, even when everything was falling apart around them. In Psalm 62, King David could say that he felt like a collapsing wall. Finals week? And in the same breath, he could tell himself, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him David's hope wasn't based on his position as king or his performance or his circumstances. He knew something about God's faithfulness, so he could expectantly wait for God to act. David's hope in God, despite his brokenness, was echoed by the Old Testament prophets, who in the midst of Israel's moral failure, could look ahead to when God would step in to deliver his people. And the prophets declared promises from God that his people could cling to as a basis for hope. One of my favorite promises is found in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4, telling of how God would send someone to set things right. And It says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Even when Israel was on the brink of exile because they had disobeyed God, Isaiah could still declare that there was hope that God would bring justice. And the promises of Isaiah and other prophets were a lifeline that allowed God's people to keep waiting for him to step in. Even through exile and occupation by foreign powers. And because God is true to his word, that promise came to pass in the life and ministry of Jesus. In a time when it looked like there was no reason for God's people to be hopeful, when they were under the thumb of the Roman Empire, a time when historians think that the tax rate may have been as high as 90%, and people were groaning for relief, God kept his word. Jesus came to inaugurate a new kingdom and the promise that one day all will be set right. And in the Gospel of Matthew, as Matthew recounts how Jesus is healing the sick and casting out demons, Matthew bursts out into a quotation of that same passage in Isaiah 42, telling people that now God is being true to what he promised all along. And I think it'll be up on the screen. I'm not going to read that prophecy again because you just heard it. Um, But I do want to highlight the last line of how Matthew quotes it. He says, In his name, Jesus' name, the Gentiles will hope. This is big. God's promise and plan to restore all things revealed first to and for the Jewish people is declared to extend to others as well. All are invited to wait with expectancy for God to bring justice to victory. And so, for all of us, Jesus is the basis for a new hope that all will be made right. We look back to his first coming, his life, his death, and resurrection as a guarantee that he will return. In Advent, we remember that the first coming seals the second And this allows us to hang on with expectation no matter how poorly the world or the church or we seem to be doing because our hope isn't grounded in ourselves but in the one who couldn't even be stopped by death. We know something about God's faithfulness so we can watch and work and love and the assurance that it's not in vain that God is doing even now exactly as he promised. Let's stand and sing together.
3: so this next song we'll be singing just really speaks to what kate shared about hope it's called um, come thou long expected jesus and so it, it calls us to look to the past and to the future um you know the moment in the garden of eden um when the you know when satan our antagonist of our story comes in um, God promises that someone will come to crush him, that death will be defeated, um, and so that has been prophesied about, um, and that all culminated in Jesus coming as a baby, but also we can look toward the future when Jesus comes once again, um, and in this bridge of this version, it uh, talks about um, every eye will see you as heaven comes to earth, and that fills me with hope, and um, Yeah, even in the hard things, even in the waiting, God has a plan, um, and he has had a plan for us to be reconciled to him. And I pray that more and more people will be reconciled with him um, as we await um, his second coming. So let's sing this song together about um, true, real hope uh, grounded in the promises of God.
4: From the long expected jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find Born thy people to a baby you were changing everything you called me to your kingdom before your lips could speak and even as a baby you were reaching out for me and now we are away the day To her, until the sky is open, until the trumpet sounds, the bride's getting ready, the church is singing out. Come, down, long expecting Jesus, Lord, to say.
3: As we prep for our next speaker,
6: good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be he- with you with you here this morning. Uh, Not only am I shocked to see that my wife has dancing skills, I'm also hoping my mouth works for the rest of this speak in the next five to seven minutes. Um, So my name is Andy, and I'm uh, part of the community here. Um, I speak for a rival school, and I will not mention it because you guys will probably be very upset that I mentioned that I work at Bradley. Oops. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's get talking. Uh, So today's uh, word I have for you is Peace. Now, of course, I'm going to uh, start with the very obvious question, does the world feel very peaceful right now? I mean, it's finals. Absolutely not. There is no peace at all. Even more than that, right now, as Matt was detailing, there's like extra weariness going on right now. There seems to be so many sort of issues that are like more than usually happen. I would even say just turn on the news, but even that's an argument of what news source can you even look at to see which, which things we're hitting right now. Um, so, kind of why I bring that up, though, is you can kind of circle back of just having this feeling. I've had it. I don't know if you've had it as well. Just this feeling that the world was not meant to be like this. Like, it was it was meant to be different. There was a better design. Um, and essentially, why that is is, you know, God created it. The world at one time was was perfect, was in harmony, and then sin entered the into the landscape, and now we live in that broken world. Kind of as John 1.4 says, in him was life, but when sin entered the picture, there is now that separation, that gap uh, in the world. Um, so, you may be asking, what does this have to do with peace? So, I'm going to start out with the definition of peace. You may think of it as like the absence of conflict, like there's no war going on, things like that. But kind in of in the Old Testament, the word for peace was shalom. And shalom had a deeper meaning than just the absence of war. It also meant to be like whole or complete. And this could be like referring to like an object. It could be even to a person. So we even have this in today's context. We have it in what's called civil courts. So when someone does sort of damage to you, in some way, so let's say like a car accident or medical malpractice, we have the civil courts there that you go and you are made whole again. You are given some sort of money reparations for to make you whole. The The Old Testament word shalom was meaning the exact same thing. To make shalom was you are making the person whole again for the, the, the damage that has been done to them. So with that... Definition of peace in mind. Um, I want you to go ahead and turn to Isaiah nine, or at least I'll have it's up. It'll be up on the screen. Um, that's that was my Baptist sort of upbringing. You know, coming out saying, turn, you know, turn to this passage. Uh, so Isaiah nine, um, and I'm going to be doing verses six through seven. So, all right, starting in verse six. So as prophesied in Isaiah, God has a plan for us. Through the Messiah, there will be restoration. There will be shalom brought in, and it's through the Messiah himself he will be that bringer of peace. Now, of course, so that's the plan, the, the way to get over this sin gap to make restoration with God. But you may be asking yourself, what does that have to do with Advent specifically? So the second passage I have for you is the classics uh, kind of Christmas story, Luke 2. So Luke 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 14. And in the same region there, there were shepherds out in the field, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, So that's it. That's the key. Jesus himself is that bringer of peace as prophesied in Isaiah 9. He is that sort of step to making shalom, making wholeness between God and his creation. And he is fulfilling that plan of God. Now, again, the world is an extremely hard place to be. I'm not going to deny that fact at all. Um, So that's kind of what... The purpose of Advent is. It's an active remembrance. It's an active reflection and an active focus because one day it will be different. One day we will be back with God, you know, and as the angels can say in the meantime, do not be afraid. So let's take this moment and do that active reflection and go ahead and stand up for our next song.
4: are brightly shining His gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother.
3: our next speaker comes up.
7: Hi, my name is Grace McCown. If you've never met me, I am also a member of the community. I graduated in the spring and now I work as a nurse at OSF. Um, And when I was asked to choose from the four themes of Advent, which to speak about, I struggled. Uh, (laughs) They're all wonderful, they're all mysterious, and I don't really feel like an expert on any of them. So I decided to choose the one that I think I'm actually the worst at, which is joy. Um, I am practical, very cynical, recently much more familiar with mourning than happiness or expressions of true joy. I feel I'm much more apt to see brokenness than express gratitude, to criticize and condemn than to praise. My mind and body do not easily produce or express joy on their own, which is why I believe it's a wonderful work that God has begun to produce in my life. Joy is not happiness, it's not the absence of brokenness, it's definitely not blind optimism. I'm a visual person. So for me, (laughs) joy is a warm, glowing ball of light that God plants in our hearts and grows with his hands and releases, passes through our fingertips and our words and our actions to those we interact with. Unlike happiness, joy is a choice in all circumstances. But I cannot choose it on my own. I cannot produce it, I cannot buy it, not manufacture it, but I can choose to raise it up like a lamp on a lampstand, or I can choose to smother it like a candle under a bowl. In John 15, Jesus explains how he's the vine and we are the branches. We all know a branch cannot produce fruit by itself, and let us, it is connected to the whole plant, to the vine. Therefore, we must remain in Jesus to produce fruit that we cannot produce on our own. He ends the parable with these words from John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That is why Jesus wants us connected to him. Jesus longs for us to experience the joy that he alone can give us. A few weeks ago, I was given the opportunity to see Jesus bring joy to a mostly joyless situation. I was working the weekend, caring for a patient who has been in the hospital for over a month now. She's very confused, drifts in and out of sleep day and night, often crying out in pain that no one understands and is untouchable by any medications we've tried, calling out for something familiar but rejecting it when we attempt to bring it to her, crying real tears for reasons that none of us can understand. Before this hospital stay, this patient was unresponsive, actually, in a virtual coma that began spontaneously and perplexed doctors for months. Her family has stopped visiting her because it's too hard. We will call her Nancy for the purpose of this. So on this Sunday that I was working, the hospital priest, Father Rogers, came in as he does every every Sunday, to every room, and asked Nancy what religion she practiced. I expected a garbled response, Um, but she very clearly stated that she was Catholic. The priest was surprised as well, and joyfully asked to pray the Lord's Prayer with her, and offered her communion. After refusing food from us all weekend, Nancy joyfully reached out her hand to receive the wafer and the tiny glass of wine, and the priest began to pray, and and paused after each phrase, and she easily repeated the words after him, after weeks of being unable to complete a sentence. For the first time, I saw joy on her face, eyes closed, resting comfortably, not appearing to be in any pain. I share this with you, not because I understand what happened, (laughs) but because I believe that was joy. It was a state of being which God had placed in her and at that time had unlocked through those familiar words that were a reminder of himself. It was not a product of her circumstances, not by any power of her own mind, which was clearly very weak, but it was joy in God through his spirit that grew bright for a few moments. We see another woman who displays true joy at the very beginning of the Christmas story, and that's Mary. Mary had joy in the midst of brokenness and real uncertainty. You think, you know, not sure what you're going to do on your finals this week, that's uncertainty? Well, let me tell you about uncertainty. Um, When we we meet her, she's just been visited by an angel, whom I've heard are very scary looking, given that they tell everyone that they see to not be afraid. Um, And she was told that she was going to have a baby that would not be the son of Joseph, to whom she was currently engaged. Um, So that would have been punishable by death as adultery at the time. And if I were her, I am not sure that my heart would have had much room for joy amongst all of the anxiety and confusion about how this would come to be. And yet, by the grace of God, Mary trusts and rejoices and praises God and spontaneously sings this song, which I'm not going to sing. I'm going to say it, though. because It's beautiful. Mary said... He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, and he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Just as Mary said, Jesus came to bring us joy. Advent is a season of waiting for Christmas to remind us that all year we wait in body, mind, and spirit for Jesus to come again and make our joy full. In the waiting of Advent, we mourn the brokenness, the darkness, the pain, and suffering that surrounds us. But we stand with our arms up in praise with our small, warm, bright ball of joy held high. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as you wait for the coming Messiah you wait for the celebration of Christmas, carry your joy high so that others may see it and desire to know the Savior that you know.
3: You all can go ahead and stand up. So, we are about to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which feels a little confusing in talking about joy, as it's one of the only Christmas songs in a minor key. It talks about how we were mourning in lonely exile, Um, talking about Jesus saving us from the depths of hell. So, really kind of sad, heavy lyrics, Um, and it's funny, uh, Emily and I, (laughs) we're talking about sharing the same exact thing that she shared earlier, and I think it really relates to this song. Um, So I'm going to share just the last part of it. Um, Christmas is God saying, yes, this pain is too much. Yes, it is too sad. Yes, the ache is too great. Hang on, I'll come and carry it with you. And I think that is what this song speaks to, um, because even in all the sadness of the verses, the chorus is rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So, just as Grace spoke about holding your joy high even in the waiting, that's really what this song is about. Even while the verses are heavy and sad, and your you know parts of your life may feel heavy and sad, we can still rejoice um, because Emmanuel has come. God is with us. Um, so, yeah, let's join together in singing this to the Lord.
4: Come on. of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave rejoice that Rejoice, he you Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel, shall come to thee, O Israel. You
3: can go ahead and be seated.
8: morning, church. Got to take this off. Um, yeah, my name's Kyle. I'm on staff here at uh, Cornerstone. And uh, I'm going to talk to you about love. But I want to I start this morning by um, repenting. And uh, I need to apologize to my friend. So uh, on Monday, after we got back from break, my friend Quinn texted me and said, missed you. We had hung out the previous Saturday, like before break, and uh, he just said, hey, I missed you, and I left him on red. I didn't text him back. I did not kind of mean to leave Quinn on red. I did not mean to not tell him, hey, I missed you too, or I can't wait to see you. I just kind of left him on red, and we just did not talk about it until we hung out on maybe like Friday night. And I think this can showcase like a, like a bigger picture of this idea is like, maybe I just never, what if I just never saw Quinn again? And the last thing that he said to me was, missed you. And just like, what kind of uh, pain would that, would that bring him? Maybe if I just left, never talked to him again, and just really kind of just our friendship dissipated. I think time can kind of maybe showcase... This absence of love or absence of connection. See, whenever Jesus came, whenever we read in the beginning of the Gospels and and we talk about like this, the Son was born to us, that's coming on the tail end of this. This period that's called the 400 years of silence. And so it's kind of this, this uh, time from like the end of the prophets. Like the prophets were here. They were speaking to the, to the tribes of Israel. They were speaking. And then God just kind of shuts off that valve. And he is no longer interacting with his people because of like our rebellion. Now, they don't go into like great detail about what does God being silent, what does that exactly look like, but we know is that he is not publicly speaking through the prophets anymore. That maybe that he is still here, he is still present, he is still moving, but his people are not hearing from them. I like that we all have kind of been talking about, except for Grace, I was really hoping she would do it, that she was talking about, uh, or that we've all used passages from Isaiah. That's kind of like this classic um, prophetic book. And a lot of them, like a lot of our prophecies about the coming Messiah are in the book of Isaiah. And that is what the people had to hold on to. They had these promises from hundreds of years ago to hold on to, that God still, in fact, cared for them, that God still, in fact, loved them. One of these verses is Isaiah 54.10. It says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. See, they that's all they had was these promises that God had left them. They have all these stories about how God provided for them in the past. And then they hear nothing from him. That maybe even this could look like them cultivating this relationship with God, like speaking out to them and they hear nothing. What would that do to your faith? What would that do to your love, would you feel loved by that? Would you feel loved by that from your friends if you just don't hear from them ever? Would you, hear, would you feel love from your family? Whoever it would be, if we just don't communicate, if we are trying to cultivate something and we get nothing in return, I think we can feel immense amounts of loneliness. I think we can feel uh, unloved. I think we can feel all of these different emotions that come with the absence of communication. I think holidays can kind of reflect a a, a multitude of feelings, but I think one of them can be either you feel really known or sometimes the holidays are an immense amount of loneliness. That's what we feel. That's what some people can feel around the holidays. I think I like that, that we just talked about, uh, or we just sang the song of Come, Emmanuel. Because Emmanuel means God with us. That not only did God start speaking whenever Jesus come, but, but God came himself. When I was reading... This week about uh, love, I just uh, came across a C.S. Lewis quote. I, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. And uh, I've read parts of this book, but I've not, I've not read the whole one. But it's from this book called, uh, or the section of, it's called The Four Loves. And I think as we kind of wade into this quote, I, I'm want, not going to have it up here, so I just want you to listen to it. And I think it's really profound. I think it's just really deep water. And So here, I'll read it. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness but in the casket safe dark motionless airless it will change it will not be broken it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable to love is to be vulnerable to love is be vulnerable to be vulnerable love is vulnerability so then what could it look like What would it mean in you to conspire to be someone who is vulnerable to all? You see, Jesus, God coming down in the form of a baby, what could be more vulnerable? What could possibly be more vulnerable? I think last night we were talking about, uh, we had our our baptism service and Danny uh, gave his testimony. And he talked about as a child, whenever he would go to school, he would start crying because he was so anxious. I think even just that idea is just as soon as he was removed from his parents his caregivers he was crying babies are vulnerable could that possibly be the life that God is asking all of us to live a life of vulnerability a life to give that love away to be present It sounds dangerous, it sounds uncertain, but I think that is like the beauty of loving. And then what right does God have to ask that of us, to be vulnerable? Well, again, it's that God was vulnerable with us. This God who revealed his divine presence to the world as a baby, he was born to a poor family. This God who revealed his divine presence as a young man who shunned worldly pursuits of power in favor of reaching out to the outcast, to the downtrodden. This God who revealed his divine presence to the world as a young man tortured by the state and executed for crimes against the religion of the time. This God who took the form of a slave and he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. What right does God have to ask us to live vulnerability? In Philippians, Paul puts it this way. Who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men that he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. It would be convenient if just once we could come to worship here and walk away with the understanding that God did all that so we don't have to that we can hear this, we can read about this good news, that God loved us, that God came to earth to save us, that God came as a man. He died on a cross. He emptied himself for the love of us and that we did not have to do anything. But I think I want us in, in this season to acknowledge That we are being invited into a life that is greater than the sum of our individual talents, accomplishments, financial stability, proximity. Is that we're just being called to be vulnerable. We're called to be present. And if that sounds overwhelming to do to other people, I want you to reflect on it about yourself and ask you this rhetorical question to think about it is, do you love who you are? If you can kind of cut through all the noise, if you you can sift through the noise about dreams, memories, failures, relationships, school, finals, Your family, your church, if you can sift through all of that and you just get down to who am I, this child of God, do you love that person? Are you worthy of that love? Because God says that you are. God says that you are worthy of that love. That despite all of your failures, all of your shortcomings, despite even all of your so-called accolades, that God still loves you. That the people, whenever Jesus came, they would have understood a fraction of this in seeing him. That that vulnerability, that, that him coming to experience what this world was about for them would have meant everything, that that time, that that 400 years, had just instilled a deeper longing for God. I think in this season, God might be asking all of us to just be present, to empty ourselves out, to be vulnerable, and to care. It could be as simple as just texting that person back. I think Grace painting out the, this picture of, like, uh, talking about the, this woman that um, was in the hospital. is just being, like, her family not even wanting to be there because they couldn't stand that. What is it? Love could just be just going and sitting with somebody. Sitting with a family member. Sitting with a friend. Sitting with somebody that you don't know. But don't let that power of silence, dictate like how you are going to love people. I think anything in the Christmas season, just come back to Emmanuel, God is with us. Love is with us, and God, being vulnerable, came down to be with his people. Would you stand up and sing the last song?
4: Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, it's built.
3: me father god thank you so much for you the gift of your son that you sent yourself to be with us and live among us god that from the very beginning when sin entered the world you had a plan to reconcile us to yourself again Um, and what a beautiful thing that that came in the form of a, a child um And I just hope that we can live in the joy and expectation of all that you will do in our lives. Um, And just rejoice the rest of this Advent season until the day Christmas comes. Pray this in your name. Amen.
9: Amen. Um, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, What an incredible way to close out this Uh, fall semester um, as a church and I just want to thank the band and each of the communicators um, just for for stepping in and serving us and reminding us of the core foundational truths of this season that give us hope um, in the midst of uh, real pain real difficulty um, real challenges. And uh, so thank you so much for everyone. I want to give you guys just a little peek behind the curtain. So there, are uh, two of the people that anchor our Sunday morning services in a profound way are Chris Stack and Mike Clunky, And uh, they are off in a car heading east to a football game in Buffalo, uh, the Bills versus the Patriots. And so um, a couple of months ago in a staff meeting, um, we were talking about the semester and the kind of the conclusion uh, from Mike and I was, yeah, let's go ahead and just end the semester with this winter celebration, which we had last night, which was amazing. And uh, our two young, uh, new staff members, um, Emily Brewer and Sarah Voss, stepped up and basically said, no, let's, we can do something. We can, let's, let's finish out with a Sunday morning service. And um, I just want to, uh, as well as each of our speakers and uh, the band, I just really want to commend um, Emily and Sarah and thank them for stepping up and serving. I just go, this is amazing. What an amazing way. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. And I want to highlight that, too, just to say this is your church. If you've got ideas, if you've got ambitions, um, if you've got something on your heart that we've never thought of and we've never done before, this is a place where that can happen. We want to support you and uh, bring your voice, bring your leadership to our team. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Emily and Sarah. A um, couple reminders is um, after the service, please talk to Sarah. Um, sign up for this Bible in the Year I would just say if you've never read through the Bible, especially, or even if you have, this is one of the best things you can do in your relationship with God as a follower of Jesus is just to do that and to do it with others. What an incredible opportunity. So see Sarah, she'll get you more information about that as well. Anybody who has any interest whatsoever in LT, uh, there's an info meeting. Kyle, is that going to be downstairs? Okay, so downstairs in kind of that four-year lobby area in about 15 minutes, please come check it out. Even if you're a freshman, um, it would be an incredible way to invest your summer. So I'm going to, as we officially go on break as Cornerstone, we're not, we're not, we can still love each other, we can still talk to each other, encourage one another, hang out with each other, but um, I want to leave us... Uh, with a blessing from the book of uh, Numbers, and this is um, what Aaron was instructed um, as he blessed the nation of Israel. And I want to, I want to bless you with this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show His favor and give you his peace. Go in peace. Thanks for joining us.